Welcome to I Got Sucked Off by Historical King Arthur, a sincere and crit critical analysis of fate, the series where you fuck the mythological King Arthur for magic. Um, I'm Sierra, my pronouns are she, her. I'm Dustin, my pronouns are he, they. <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face reading that fucking intro. It's so good. I love our title so much. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid, dude. It rules. Uh, yeah, uh, something, yeah, just, just like Fate's Day Night, it's stupid and it rules. Yeah, that's true. It is stupid and it does rule. Um, but yeah, we are here to talk about days 7 through 9 of the Fate route of Fate's Day Night. Uh, but before we do that, um, I have a new interview that I want to read a section from because it is incredibly relevant to shit that Shiro is well, shit that Shiro said, like, the last, during the, like, summary of our last podcast we did, but also is going to continue to do during this summary. Uh, so this interview comes from, it's a 10th, an 10th year anniversary interview uh, with Nasu Kinoko Takeuchi Takashi, um, who doesn't really show up in the section that I'm reading, uh, and most importantly, Urobuchi Gen, uh, who uh, who has collaborated on some Fate stuff, uh, specifically Fate Zero. Um, this interview was done on December fifteenth of a tw well, it was released on December twenty December fifteenth of twenty eleven in a Type Moon uh, A seven. Uh, so they are specifically talking about like Type Moon works over the past ten years, such as Fate Zero. Mm -hmm. um, and the section I want to read uh, starts with. Uh, the interviewer asking, Saber has appeared in so many different forms in spinoffs over the past 10 years. She's become a sort of poster girl for Type Moon. From your point of view, Urobuchi, how do you view Saber? Uh, Urobuchi answers, Honestly, Saber doesn't look much like a heroine to me. I can still see traces of the male version of Saber that appeared in the early version of Fate. He's referring to Fate Prototype, which was never really released. Um, because of that mental image, Saber's relationship with Shiro doesn't seem like a realistic relationship between a male and a female, but a complicated relationship with a boy who became a girl. Uh, well, Nasu well, then... Isn't that literally sure. not what happened in the story? Um, I don't believe so. It, but, is, but... it, it is a interpretation that I, on a conceptual level, I like, but sure. also don't want Uruburchi and Nasu to have anything to do with, as... <laughs> I'm not opposed to that idea at all. I just, like, my understanding of the story, uh, and mild spoilers for uh, Fate Stay Night here, I guess, uh, Saber has been a girl the whole... Like, Saber was a girl even when she was King Arthur, and that was a thing she had to hide. Like, we even see the hint of it, where she talks about how she couldn't take baths around people um, because they would see her. Like, this isn't a new thing for her. Uh, okay. D I think they just forgot the work they wrote. Yeah, um, I I've, seen, I've seen some people use this um, to say, like, you know, um, Saber is a trans woman. Which it's textually not that. Uh, no, I like the idea of it, but no, I, it's I, that I, is clearly not the intent. I like the idea of it. The text isn't there. It's yeah, not so, there. So yeah, uh, this is I think reinforced by what Nasu then adds. Um, so he says 
Typical Urobuchi, I really can't pull the wool over your eyes. I intended to take that to the grave with me, but I guess this 10-year anniversary is a good place to talk about it. Just like Urobuchi-san said, it's difficult to call the relationship between Shiro and Saber a relationship between a man and a woman. Saber has fought for a long time as the ruler of Britain, but then uh, turned into a girl all of a sudden and fell in love with Shiro. It's pretty ridiculous when you think about it but I really wanted to push it towards that sort of boy-meets-girl story. So as a last resort, I had Shiro continually say things to her like, but you're a girl, and girls aren't supposed to fight, in order to remind the users that she really is a girl. Uh, sorry, she is really a girl. Uh, it's like the author is actually the one trying to convince Saber that she's a girl. I feel like I could have written it a lot better now, but that was the best I could do at the time. Yeah, Nasu, you really you know it's clumsy. Uh, um, the the issue I have with this in terms of like interpreting it as a trans narrative is, generally speaking, when I am trying to uh, you know encourage and compliment my trans my trans woman friends, I am not telling them, "Hey, you're really not acting like a girl right now." You should act like a girl more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, <laughs> to be clear, I don't want to necessarily invalidate any uh, comfort or feelings that folks have uh, found in Fate Stay Night. I do oh, yeah, push absolutely. back on that reading, though, because the, it is like it is one thing to find feelings that evoke a similar reaction to your experience uh, and to draw comfort and support from that. It is another thing to say that that is literally what is the text, and it is not. It, it is literally not the text here. Yeah, like, I, I fully support, like, taking Saber and, like, using her for a trans narrative. Uh, that is not, na Nasu is not your ally, though. I, I, I mean, so my reason for pushing back on that is there are people who are writing stories with actual trans characters. We don't need to... yeah try and force it onto a story that is, like, frankly not exactly great towards women in general, and which I wouldn't feel super comfortable handling trans women specifically. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. <laughs> if you want to read a story with trans women, read a story with trans women. You don't need to try and force it onto a thing that it's textually not the case. Yeah, we're eventually going to get to Fate Apocrypha and have to talk about Astolfo, and that's not going to be a good time. I'm going to get so mad, homie. I'm going to be so fucking pissed. <laughs> I'm just going to say it right there. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to make me mad. Mordred also is going to be pretty messy, honestly. As much as I like Mordred, that's, the gender surrounding Mordred is confused. Uh, yeah, let, my understanding say. is they do more with the um, gender stuff than they do with uh, uh, Arthur here. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um... um so one thing I will say about the Nasu interview is um, there's a reading of it at least where uh, he does – where he says uh, she turned into a girl all of a sudden and fell in love with Shiro. Um, there's a reading of it as like not necessarily turned into a girl but no longer had to pretend to be a boy and like, okay, I, get, I guess I can see that. I still think it's pretty dumb. Um and uh, Uro afterwards says he thinks that uh, uh, the saber root could have been told as a story through the ancient Greek views on love. And, like, <laughs> I think that's wrong. 
I think <laughs> it has stronger comparisons to medieval courtly love than yeah. it does to the concept of Eros. Um, I, I, I think, like, drawing a connection between Saber and um, Shiro's relationship, especially with Shiro actively uh, restraining himself uh, from any physical connection... Um, the, the way they actively seek to protect each other, like it feels closer to medieval courtly love than anything else, which yeah. is interesting considering who Saber is. Yeah. Like it makes sense. <laughs> like mm-hmm. thematically. Um, uh-huh. And then Shiro says some whack misogynist shit. And I'm like, man, do you have to be like this? Yeah. The, the other thing I want to mention uh, just because like it, it won't come up until heaven's feel, but we already have met Sakura. Um, so I think this will be interesting to keep in mind, and also because I want to dunk on Urobuchi some more. Mm. Um, so, uh, uh, Urobuchi says, There's yet another different type of love depicted in the Sakura route. It really expresses the dark sides that all women have, but how men can accept that and love women regardless. Something akin to the dignity of men comes across. I'm so fucking mad, dude! Just, oh my god. Urobuchi, stop fucking talking. Here's the thing. This is like with fucking Madoka, where I'm like, hmm, yeah. homie, Urobuchi, are you a bad writer? Because the text that you wrote just came up with something entirely different. Yeah, I was I was talking about this with my best friend who, who got me into Fate Stay Night in the first place. And we were discussing this interview, and like I was telling him... You know, there are people who have much kinder interpretations of what the message of rebellion is and what it's trying to do um, that I appreciate. And I I think there is evidence that there's enough evidence that you can, like, interpret it in a more positive light than what I do. But when Urobuchi says shit like this, it just makes me think that I got rebellion right all along. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. I still need to watch Rebellion. I just haven't yet because I don't want to get mad yet. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I like the ending of Madoka. I don't need more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you like the ending of Madoka, then you might have the same reaction that I did to Rebellion. Uh, well, hold up. I do like the idea of Homura becoming Satan. That just sounds cool. <laughs> that actually does yeah. sound like it kind of whips. Um, yeah, the, thi- the thing is I think Urobuchi thinks it's a bad thing. <laughs> Uh, I think I, th- I think Urobuchi thinks that that is the dark side of women. That that I see. Uh, I'm just like so playing Fate so far. Playing the Fate route has just sort of locked it. And knowing what I know of both Heaven's Feel and Unlimited Blade Works, I'm like 95 percent certain Heaven's Feel is going to be my favorite route. Interesting. Uh, I am like 95 percent sure. That it is going to be the route that I sink my teeth into the most and draw something out of the most. Um, and I also want Urobuchi never to come anywhere fucking near Sakura again. Oh my fucking <laughs> god. Shut the fuck up, man. Oh, the dark sides uh. that all women have. Eat shit! <laughs> fucking the dark sides that men have. How about Shinji just being a scumfuck every fuck? Oh my god. Hmm. I need to stop or I'm gonna get mad. <laughs> yeah no uh it, it's a very like they just come right out there 
it's just wildly condescending. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, also, like, we're not even touching, like, how heteronormative this is. Like, yeah, obviously it is. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's, like, that's blatantly obvious. That I is the least surprising thing. I don't know that there's anything there to touch. Yeah, I don't think anyone listening to our podcast needs us to go over that particular detail. I think you're smart enough already. Yeah. yeah. You probably share most of our views. But but I think um, it actually is worth touching on, because um, when they talk about uh, him feeling like he has to have forced uh, Shiro continually saying things like, but you're a girl and girls aren't supposed to fight to remind the user she really is a girl. Like, that desperate need to cling to heteronormativity instead of developing, like, a relationship connection that happens despite that is... Yeah. I, I think, honestly, the biggest weakness of the Fate route so far. This desperate yeah. need to cling to this heteronormativity means that they have to force um, Saber is a girl. And, like... Yeah, because the most frustrating thing about the Shiro and Saber relationship in Fate is that we are seeing, like, Saber accepts Shiro for who he is. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty readily. Like, like Saber's main issue with Shiro is that he is not honest with himself or others. Mm-hmm. Like, once Shiro starts starts to answer Saber's questions honestly about why he does the things he does, like, Saber may not necessarily still agree with him, but she is more able to appreciate why he has the ideology that he does um, and, like, appreciate him for, for who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Shiro doesn't do that. Shiro keeps trying to mold Saber into who he wants her to be. And it's just really weird. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have a less extreme reaction to what Shiro is doing. In that, like, it doesn't necessarily feel like he is trying to mold Saber as it is, like... I, I mean... He is clearly uncomfortable with the way she instrumentalizes herself and doesn't know how to vocalize that outside of, but you're a girl. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, like, the issue here is not, like, necessarily he has issues with the way she turns herself into a tool for violence, but rather, like, the way he can conceptualize not being a tool for violence is reminding a person that she's a girl and girls shouldn't do violence. Like, the, the issue here is not so much the reaction and the desire to push someone away from being a instrument solely of violence and not a person um but rather like his conception of what kind of people are allowed to do violence basically what i'm saying is that shiro's gender politics are kind of rancid yeah yeah that's fair um yeah yeah he 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 can't ex he can't express his concerns about how saber views herself in language other than gender essentialism yeah, mm-hmm, pretty much. Uh, anyway. And, and, like, I'm not even necessarily opposed to that. I just think Urobuchi doesn't have the chops to dig into that well. Or not Urobuchi, Nasu. Nasu, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think Nasu sees that as a problem. Yes. At this point. Like, when it, it first started happening and, like, you got pushback from Saber and Rin, it, it seemed like, you know, maybe the visual novel was portraying Shiro as, like, being really weird about this. And in some cases it does, but, like, sometimes 
it does portray him as like having the right idea and like mm-hmm. this this interview from Nazu makes it very clear that like he also doesn't think that Shiro is exactly wrong. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> oh, dog. Thank you, dog. <laughs> My dogs also do not like Shiro. I don't even dislike Shiro. I'm just, like, kind of tired, man. It's just like, yeah. Shiro, man, you don't gotta be like this. You can just be cool. Don't be whack. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, before we get, before we get into uh, days 7 through 9, I'm just going to quickly go over the uh, voice actors that I had, I had forgotten to get to before. Um, so uh, I'm going to start with uh, Shinji Mato who is played by Hiroshi Kamiya. Um, you may recognize him as Levi A- A- Ackerman from Attack on Titan. Uh, or probably more... Uh, well, actually, uh, uh, I, I, I think probably more popularly, um, uh, Trafalgar Law from One Piece. Oh! Uh, a, character, a character I have not gotten to yet. Because uh, I got to the Thriller Bark arc of One Piece and then just like was like, you know, I'm not sure I want to keep reading One Piece. Uh, so what I will say <laughs> is you're entirely justified in doing so. Uh, you are missing also out on my kind of because arc. Oda Also because Oda is kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, listen, entirely justified in doing so. Um, what I will say is that, like, my favorite arc was the one that was coming up. Uh, but yeah. it's okay. If you aren't, if uh, 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 Water 7 didn't hook you in enough to make you read that far or to Ennius Lobby, like that's okay. fine. Okay. I, we're going to have a one piece minute right now. Cause here's the thing about water seven. Um, mm-hmm. is that it rules. I did. I did like it a lot, but also the, 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 the way the Nico Robin arc plays out, uh, it, 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 like, very much emphasized that Oda only knows how to do two character arcs. <laughs> I mean, kinda, yeah. Like, you're not wrong. Like, he doesn't actually know to ha- how to do different stories. He just does the same story over and over again <laughs> and expects the emotional beats to hit just as hard okay. every single time. But when Luffy says Soga King shoot down that flag, it does whip ass. But thing is, it it hasn't whipped as much ass as it did when he gives uh, when he gives Nami his hat. Oh, see, no, I that think Soga King shoot down the flag is way better. No, for for me, nothing has topped the 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 Nami arc. I mean that that's fair. I get that because that's oh. like the first time he does his thing, and it has mm-hmm. not hit as hard for me ever since. Uh, and yeah. that may be because I'm biased towards Nami. Because you, I mean, it is 100 like, because you're biased towards Nami. And I'm going to be real with you: if you're biased towards Nami, you're going to wait a while. Like, yeah, that's that's sort of what I figured. Because my next question was going to be: does he ever write Nami as good as that ever again? Um, Nami is good sometimes. Nami is never a focus in the same way, as far as yeah. I know. Um. Because, like, the last time she got anything important to do, she was fighting the sexy bubble joke character. God, I forgot about that part. (sighs) 
Like she gets a she gets a sick ass new like bow staff that can manipulate weather, uh-huh. and the person that she fights is the joke character who's just like a sexy secretary who uh-huh. makes herself all soapy, and uh, she what's barely the issue? wins. What's the issue? I'm not seeing an issue here. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Where, where's the Where's the issue here? Like the only good part about that fight is that imply that it implies that like Nami is disastrously bisexual. <laughs> it does <laughs> like, imply I, I, that. Which is very but also, funny. Yeah, but also I don't think Oda is doing that for the representation. He just thinks it's funny. Uh, <laughs> like, if... He just thinks it's hot if there's a lesbian. I mean, he does, yes, he does think that. Uh, you missed uh, a very important person for Hiroshi Kamiya's uh, voice actors. Oh, who who was it? He's in Bakemonogatari. Oh. He is Araragi. Oh, Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Wow. Uh, you know, that seems appropriate for Araragi. Yeah, Honestly. Like, like that, that seems about right. Yeah. Especially Araragi when Araragi is, also... inter- especially when Araragi is interacting with uh, fucking Mayoi. Yeah. It's still got very much Shinji vibes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. God. Fucking. If just all, if just like all, if they just like deleted all the Lollicon jokes from Bakemonogatari, that show would be like so much better. It would he, still have problems, but it would be so much easier to recommend. Even dial it back ten percent so that the read of it as like an older brother bullying a younger sister, like makes more sense as it because like i think that's what the read is supposed to be um yeah but instead they're like no we have to do this for the fans and it's like nisi Oisen, you need to not do this for the fans save them from yeah. themselves your fans are terrible your fans are terrible you're <laughs> terrible for indulging them stop it uh that is very go back funny. to your jokes about fucking senja gahara stabbing araragi those were good i liked yeah. those he needed to be stabbed yeah. Um, then we have uh, Sakura Mato's voice actress, uh, who is uh, Noriko Shitaya. Um, I looked uh, I looked over her credits. There's not a ton I recognize um, or that are quite as high profile as Sakura. Um, but uh, we do have another uh, Maria Watches Over Us um, appearance. She is Katsura in that show. Um, there... There also was a character I recognized. Uh, she is Avril Bradley from Gossip. Um, who, if any anyone watching, anyone listening to this podcast, also wa- also listened to my previous podcast, BakaCast, uh, will know that uh, we had a very Mystery Science Theater three thousand love of that show, um, and she was one of my favorite characters from that show. Uh, so that was a funny coincidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, then um, we also have Assassin, uh, who is voiced by Shinichiro Miki, who is James from Pokemon. Fuck yeah, dude. That absolutely makes sense. This motherfucker James just is, like, Assassin being this flamboyant gay rules. Yeah, as well as uh, one of my favorite, favorite characters, Lock-On Stratos from Gundam 00. The best Gundam. Hmm. Hmm. Or well, maybe not hmm. the best Gundam, hmm. but it's the it's the Gundam I love the most. Uh, 
He's, he's Kaiki from uh, Nisei Monogatari as well. Oh, man. Holy Hell shit. Hell yeah. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, he is Kaiki. Oh, man. Kaiki Desho, one of the best characters in Monogatari because he's <laughs> such a shit bird. He's such a piece of shit and he just rocks everyone's fucking world by being a piece of shit and being like, yes, I would like money, please. And everyone oh, being man. like, what? Nisei yes, Monogatari is such a such a good arc. What what is? Nisei Monogatari is such a good season of Monogatari. Is that the the second one where it get which one is uh Nisei? Uh Nisei Monogatari is let's see that covers Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm not yeah. thinking. No, Nisei, Nisei Mono is the... is the one I don't like very Nisei much. Nisei is the actually. bad one. The one that yeah. even Nisei Oisen is like yeah, the, the story I wrote for this one uh, no. is kind of bad. I, I, w- I was thinking of Monogatari's second season, which yes. starts with a banger with uh, Subasa Tiger. Hell yeah, dude! Subasa Tiger whips! <laughs> Subasa like, Tiger fucking rules! Every arc that features Subasa is, like, guaranteed good-ass arc. <laughs> yeah, it rules. Uh, I love Subasa. Subasa oh, and Senju Gahara so both good. are great. Yeah. Uh, and that arc features Subasa and Senja Gahara together, and it's yeah, and they both happened. just go apeshit. It rules. Ah, uh, man. God. Anyway, once we're done to with podcast. once we're done with once we're done with Type Moon, we're eventually just gonna transition into Pokemon Agatri. We probably say so. are. We pro- oh my. I mean, you know, that's gonna be six years from now, and maybe Pokemon Agatri will be done at that point. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll get the maybe we'll get anime adaptations of like the the um, kiss shot backstory where like we meet the other vampires. That'd be sick. Isn't that what the movies are? Uh, no. So that's that Kizumonogatari is just the first Araragi arc. Oh, like it, 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 it covers Araragi meeting kiss shot for the first time and and, like and the whole thing with Subasa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like there's there's more like there are um light novels that cover like how Kishot became a vampire. Um and like how she got her name. Uh <laughs> featuring uh, uh- a vampire whose name is Deathtopia Virtuoso Suicide Master. <laughs> Fuck yes! Fuck yes! Oh my god, that's so good! <laughs> yeah, uh, so I hope I hope one day Shaft does get around to, to uh, adapting um, those those plot lines. Um, yeah, that that's covered by uh, the uh, Acerola Bon Appetit um, uh, light novels. So hopefully we'll get okay. an adaptation of those someday. We can dream. Yeah. <laughs> also, Suicide Master has a vampire servant named Tropo- Tropical-esque Homo-Wave Dog Strings. Fuck yes. Okay, I mean, so Deathtopia Virtuoso Suicide Master is very good, but, like, nothing tops Kishot, Acerola, Orion, Heart Underblade. That name fucking is next level. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> it is... That- there is there no is, one better than Kiss Shot. There is no topping that title. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, we talk about God. an entirely different uh, embarrassing property. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, day, yeah, d- day seven. We'll get to go ahead and start day seven. Mm-hmm. So, in a dream, Shiro reflects on another memory of Kuritsugu. In it, Kuritsugu views himself as a failure of a superhero. Uh, Shiro, who has always considered his adoptive father to be his hero, realizes that the world of his youth must be drastically different than the world his dad lives in if the bar for being a superhero is that much higher than he imagined. Kuritsugu says, I was reckless when I was young. I educated myself by cursing the heartlessness of the world. The world was cruel, so I made myself even more heartless and used that as a weapon, trying to follow my aunt trying to follow through on my ideals uh end quote since saving everyone is impossible his ideal which he attempts to pass on to shiro is to take actions that save as many as possible being told this makes shiro angry even though he knows this is the reality he believes that a superhero should be someone who does try to save everyone so what kiritsugu had said uh this quote specifically is i uh when he was a in his youth, he had a much more utilitarian view, and the quote is, uh, "If I had to lose five hundred to sa- to earn a thousand, I will ba- abandon a hundred to save nine hundred. That is the most efficient method. That is the ideal. But yeah. even the way it is being communicated makes it clear that like Kiritsugu also doesn't like this ideal. Like that was what he had lived by when he was younger, and it is yeah. clear he does not any longer hold to that in the same way." Um, even if he recognizes it as being the more practical option. Uh, And Shiro's rejection of it is in part like a kid understanding that, like understanding that Kiritsugu does not actually believe that anymore. At least that that is how I read it. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. Uh, I I think like um, Unlimited Blade Works also um, supports that interpretation. Mm -hmm. Um, And like what... What we know about Kiritsugu from uh, Fate Zero is, like, that that belief structure also does not hold for him. Yeah. Um, so, Saber wakes Shiro up and tells him that Sakura and Rin have been arguing. He heads to the living room to find Sakura already gone. Rin explains that she offered Sakura a deal. If Sakura stays away from the house for one week, Rin will go back home. He apologizes for making Rin do something he should have, ar- he should have <clears throat> already done. But Rin says there is no need for that. She did it for her own safety. Since Shinji is a master, they should do anything that would make him ang- uh, uh, They shouldn't do anything that would make him angry before they can deal with him. Mm-hmm. Shiro clearly looks sad about the situation, though, which causes Rin to immediately strike. What happened to the power that made you scream at me? Is Amiya-kun so lonely without Sakura? <laughs> Uh, he explains that Sakura was the missing ingredient that helped uh, bring a sense of peace to his life that wasn't there with just himself and Taiga. Rin realizes this is the motivation he needed. Once the Grail War is over, Sakura will return, which gives Shiro a goal to fight for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rin always finding the best way to manipulate Shiro. I mean, th- the dude fucking needs it. Fucking yeah. get moving, homie. Uh-huh. Uh, after telling Taiga that Sakura won't be coming back for a while, he tries to get her to leave for a bit to spend time with her dad. Taiga refuses, wanting to keep an eye on him and Rin in case some- anything untoward happens. Shiro is about to object again when he has a very creepy thought. 
Unfortunately, man's nature does not let me declare that it won't happen. That is a direct quote from Shiro's inner thoughts. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. This whole conversation gets me so mad at Shiro. Yeah. Uh, both because, like, fucking, no, that's not man's nature, Shiro. Uh, but also because, like, Rin would definitely just murder you. Well, also, everything that's going to happen during the Mitsuzuru part. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Taiga informs Shiro, yeah, because this comes right after, and this is, like, even more fucked up. Uh, Taiga informs Shiro that Mitsuzuri, the archery club girl, got injured. Apparently, she uh, got attacked by, quote-unquote, someone suspicious on her way home, uh, which is implied to be Ryder. Um, she ran away, but caught, but got a light sprain when she fell over at the end. Shiro is surprised that she ran away and mumbles to himself, Quote, I see even Mitsuzuri is weak against muggers. I guess, that, I guess that's good. It's impossible to teach her femininity unless something like this happens. End quote. Yeah, what the fuck? Huh. <laughs> uh, it's at this point that Rin reveals that she's good friends with Ayako and that she intends to tell her exactly what Shiro just said. Fucking good. Uh, Blow his ass up. However, if he agrees to certain terms, making Western breakfast from now on, she may be convinced to keep it a secret. Um, which, honestly, Rin should just tell her anyway. Well, it's great, because then Fujine is like, I don't know why yeah. you agreed to those terms, I'm just gonna snitch anyway. Yeah, it's great. Like, he, he agrees to both Rin's demands and then Saber's, and then Taiga is like, I'm not sure why you're doing this, I'm gonna tell her regardless. Which is great, absolutely. Yeah. Blow his ass out. Yeah, uh... Like, just... this is, like, the first point where it is just, like, out and out, untenable, unexcusable, whack-ass misogyny. Like, yeah. the other stuff, at least there has been, like, a read you could kind of push that makes it a little less... This time it's just like, no, this is just deeply whack. What the yeah. fuck, man? Yeah, it's so, it's so messed up for Shiro to say that shit. Um, I, I have at least heard that the other uh, arcs don't have this same problem, so hopefully we get through this <laughs> relatively quickly, but fuck, man, I want to beat Shiro's ass. Yeah, I mean, we've only got, we've only got two more sections to go, because okay. um, it's only 15 days long, so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be done with this in a month. Um. Uh, in order to train, Shiro decides to skip school for a while, asking Taiga to cover him for him by saying it's due to an, due to an injury. Uh, right as Shiro finishes cleaning the dojo, a saber arrives. He's surprised to see her in casual clothes instead of her armor. She's about to don her armor when Shiro interrupts her, saying it's fine and that she looks better in those clothes anyway. She doesn't understand his remarks, saying that the outfit would not withstand a fight and is unsuitable for a saber. He responds, quote, don't fight in that outfit, stupid. You're a girl, and those clothes suit, suit girls, so it's fine, end quote. Uh, before she comes in, isn't that also when uh, Shiro says, uh, I wasn't good at using things to fight. I'm only interested in making and fixing. I... Or is that later? I'm not sure. Um, there's a lot of training sequences, so it could be either, honestly. I, I know it's this day. I just couldn't remember exactly where he says it. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um... he... He does say that line, which is, like, interesting and, like, I think relevant to Shiro as a character. Um, he is not someone who 
ever was interested in fighting. He is a person who wants to do things with his hands. Yeah. Um, Saber now explains the tra- how Saber now explains how the training is going to work. Uh, she's not a very good teacher, so they're just going to do as many real ass fights as they can fit into a few days. <laughs> Which fucking <laughs> rules! Just yeah, uh, man, I don't know how to teach you, so I'm just going to beat your ass until you start to learn. Yeah, honestly, that just makes me love Saber more. It's so good. <laughs> uh, he tries to fight her a couple times, but immediately gets his ass handed to him. He wants to keep going, but Saber demands that he take a break, since the only way he could reasonably fight a servant is if he was in perfect condition anyway. For a couple hours, he continually loses to Saber. However, what he does learn is how to control his instincts and emotions during a fight. Um, basically, he just learns how not to panic when someone's trying to murder him. Yeah. But, like the, the important thing he is learning here is not any technique or anything like that. It is just how to deal with the fact that someone that you are in a fight in the first place which is like yeah. real it, it is if you have never been in a fight before it is amazing how your first instinct is going to be to freeze a lot of the time yeah um, I, I i don't i guess i don't know if you've been in a fight um i've been in a, a couple but it's been years um but no, like, yeah. I haven't been in a fight, but I have been in a situation where I thought I was about to be in danger. And yeah, like just for a couple seconds, my bit brain kind of just froze mm-hmm. yeah. until I fled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been in like a, a couple of fights and I'm a, I'm a dumb asshole. Um, and so my immediate reaction was always, okay, cool, let's do this or run away um, rather than freeze. But like Shiro thinks too much. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the thing she is teaching him here is stop thinking. Like, stop thinking and realize you're going to die if you make a wrong move. Yeah. Um, and she gives him – yeah, and she gives him a lot of concussions, repeatedly knocking him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, she does that by just hitting him, like, real hard and just continually with a wooden sword. Well, like, I don't think people realize it's super bad if you're knocked unconscious. Like, that's super bad. Like, that's yeah, super no. concussion. Yeah, in real life, like, Shiro's, Shiro's brain would be... He would not be in a good state. No. Like, she would be permanently injuring him here. But it's it's a video game, so you can give people concussions without worrying about it. It's probably fine. <laughs> uh, while Shiro rests, he asks her why she wants the Grail. She tells him she wants to fulfill an obligation that she was not able to complete during her lifetime. However, she adds, I do not know my true intentions myself. Perhaps I only desire to redo things again. <clears throat> uh, before they begin again, Shiro goes shopping for lunch ingredients. As he's picking up an expensive strawberry jam for Rin, uh, Ilias Veal tugs at his shirt. She, uh... She tells him she's glad he's still alive, and he asks her if she intends to fight him here. She looks displeased by this question, telling him they can't fight while the sun is up. She clings to his arm and says she wants to talk. He objects, saying they're basically enemies. However, she doesn't have any however, she says she doesn't have any enemies. Quote, other masters are just harmful bugs, but I can let you go if you behave yourself, end quote. Uh, he tries to get her off by suddenly wrenching his arm free, and she t- and she almost topples to the ground, um, but Shiro's just able to catch her. Um, her attitude turns sinister, and he realizes that she'll definitely kill him if he keeps resisting her. 
Uh, I actually like how Eilis Veal is written in this scene. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I have, like, weird feelings about how this story handles Ilias Veal and how it infantilizes her. Yeah, there's definitely elements of that. Um, I, I mean, we're going to find out how old she is, and I'm going to get extra mad at that point again. <laughs> Um, um, do we find out during this day? I can't remember if I ever... We don't find out this day. Uh, okay. we don't find out this arc. Uh, let me phrase. I don't know if we find out during this arc. We definitely don't okay. find out during these three days. Yeah, I just I, know I, how I, old I, she is. Yeah, because I definitely didn't, I definitely didn't write it down. So I was like, uh, did I just miss that? I mean, um, should I, should I just say it? Cause like... Uh, yeah, sure. Cause I don't think it's uh, particularly it, plot important. Isn't she supposed to be 18? Uh, that's... I did not realize she was that Cause, old. Because what yeah. I remember from Fate Zero is I thought she was like, like, like an infant or a toddler during Fate Zero. Because uh, she was born before Fate Zero. Remember? Yeah, she was born right before it, but I don't think she was born significantly. Um. Okay. Well, uh, now I'm. Now I'm. Uh, now I'm curious. I'm uh, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Okay. Let me. She let me is at. Le- let me rephrase. She is at least as old as Shiro. Okay. Uh, um, why it, is this not giving me any age information? Okay. Uh. Mm-mm. Okay, uh, yeah, at the time of Fate Zero, Ilya is eight years old. In Fate Stay Night, which takes oh, place seriously? ten years after, she is 18 years old. Oh, God, really? Mm-hmm. She looks, she looks and acts like she's, like, 12. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, oh, I mean, and uh, it, the way her body interacts with age is different because of circumstances, um, yeah. but in terms of actual years spent on this Earth, she's 18. God, I forgot about that. Uh-huh. God damn. And th- this is why her, the way she acts is upsetting for me. Um, like, there is... Let me rephrase. Uh, it is not quite upsetting enough for me to raise a stink about it in this story, because there is, like, narrative purpose behind it. Um, it's not necessarily being used in a scummy way. Um, but everything that comes after... Uh, like particularly Prisma Ilya, yeah, uh huh, is like a, a thing that we will not be covering. Nope, absolutely not. I refuse for moral uh, reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can cover it if you want. I'm not touching it. Yeah, no. Uh, um, <laughs> I, yeah, it, it is. It is this weird infantilization of a grown ass adult. Um, and like here, at least, it kind of makes sense because it's like. Oh, she is a person who has been um, horribly mistreated and has regressed because of it and has been denied a family, and that's the reason for her acting like this. Um, uh, but then you have the fact that there's things like the Iliasville uh, swimsuit costume, where it's just like, hmm, 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 why yeah, are y'all which, like this? Yeah, which we have not gotten to yet. Um, no. But... Yeah, but it's like, it's prominent on that wiki. Yeah, yeah. Conceptually, 
I, I I like the these interaction scenes between Ilya and and um and Shiro sure. yeah. because it really puts into stark contrast the way that Ilya was raised compared to how sure. Shiro was raised by Kuritsugu to be like a f- fairly normal person, you know. There's yeah, all the sexism, but like he's still a pretty normal boy. Whereas like Ilya has been super fucked up by just being treated as a tool for winning a holy grail. Yeah, I mean like especially considering their relationship, I am not necessarily opposed to this dynamic. It is just like compounded with all of the other ways this story has been treating women so far, like yeah. having an 18-year-old literally acting like an 8-year-old is upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. It's the issues with Ilya are many like, and uh widespread yeah like it it's 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 an issue not necessarily just because of these scenes but rather like what these scenes mean in the context of just how Ilya is portrayed throughout yep. the whole franchise yep exactly um, because it makes it more clear what the intent was with these yep. scenes mm-hmm. um but yeah um she takes him to a park to talk about something fun, but she hasn't talked to other people much, so she doesn't know what she should talk about. Uh, they make small talk about the cold weather, and she says uh, she was born as a noble in Eisenburn, uh, Einsburn Castle, where the weather is cold. She likes the snow, which her father said is white just like her hair. Ilya is proud of her hair, and she claims she got it from her mom. She asks what Shiro got from his dad, and he tells her he got his house and his last name. Uh, Ilya is surprised that he didn't get a magic crest, and he explains that he's a master, but not a proper magus. Ilya says that she's a master, but she was never taught normal magic either. They end up confusing each other, and and Shiro changes the topic by asking Ilya where she's staying. She says she's living in a western-style mansion hidden deep in the nearby forest to the west, where the master of Einsburn stays during the Grail War. With Ilya acting more and more like a normal little girl, uh, which, again, at this time, I thought she was actually 12, which is why I wrote it like that. Nope. (laughs) And not Mm -hmm. a terrifying murderer, uh, Mm -hmm. Shiro starts to get more comfortable around her and even offers to share the Dora Dora Yaki he bought with her. Uh, He thinks to himself that Ilya may not actually be a bad person and simply doesn't yet know the difference between good and evil. He speculates that a child born to a family of magi is probably raised in a pretty abnormal environment. Not wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, And it's possible correct. that Ilya became a master without even knowing what it means to kill someone. Um, just as he's about to broach the subject with her, Ilya suddenly declares that she needs to go home because Berserker has woken up. Uh, yeah, like, I, I like parts of this conversation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't I mind this wish... conversation. Shiro being, like, weirdly vulnerable and, like, not wanting to harm a person he sees as a child is interesting. Yeah, and also, like, him, like, realizing, you know, that Magi can be kind of fucked up. And, like, mm-hmm. it's not, like, it is not Ilya's fault that this is the way she is. Yeah. Like, she she was groomed to be this. <clears throat> well, especially um, because his and... only other point of comparison is Rin, and, like, uh, Rin is not exactly a great point of comparison because she is uh, frustratingly well-adjusted, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, like, Rin is not like other magi because, like, she, like, her father died when 
she was eight. And then she never had another really Magus in her life, other than Kyrie, who she mostly just avoids, um, telling her what she should be doing and thinking. So, like, she had her magical training tempered by the fact that she is a normal, like, a, a fairly normal high school girl who is, like, social, who is, like, getting a little bit of socializing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so hasn't been nearly as disconnected from what a human should behave like. Um, whereas, like, Ilya has just had, like, like, all she's had are a bunch of these asshole magi, like, telling her how she should view the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, uh, conceptually, I like this a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it, like, Ilya's character gets used for gross purposes later on. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like... Also, like, it doesn't, it doesn't rear its head much here, um, but there are definitely, like, like, I seem to remember there being some weird, like, incesty vibes later on between Ilya and Shiro that, like, never actually manifest, but, like... I hadn't... I didn't know about that, Like I'm I, gonna be upset if it's the case. Yeah, I, I might, I might be wrong about that but um i'm choosing to believe that that doesn't happen until it does at which point i will be fucking rip-roaring mad yeah i i hope i'm wrong um god i hope you're wrong too yeah like i seem to remember like i i i don't think she ever becomes an actual love interest but like uh, yeah anyway i'll just stop talking about it until like we actually finish the game because it's just yeah because th- there's i remember yeah um but yeah like uh yeah just there's a lot about Ilya that it sets off alarm bells um uh-huh anyway uh shiro heads back home too and decides not to tell saber and rin about what just happened he feels guilty because he knows he should tell them but he doesn't want to think about that version of Ilya like an enemy uh, back at home, Shiro takes a bath and then heads to the living room for dinner. Saber's not there, so Rin goes looking for her while Shiro goes back to the bathroom to finish drying his hair. As, Shiro, as soon as Shiro enters the bathroom, we are greeted with a CG of Saber's nude ass. <laughs> we sure are. Uh, he quickly tries to explain that it's just an accident, but Saber, but Saber doesn't seem to be bothered at all. Yeah, Saber's uh, she, just like, bro, it's it's fine. Like, it's yeah. chill. It's th- this is fine. Yeah, he's she like, reminds no. him that a servant's gender is meaningless. And, and meanwhile, Shiro's like, no, but my dick! No, but my <laughs> dick, no! No! Uh, um, Shiro, it, sh- yeah. It, well, it, he's just basically freaking out the whole time, and Saber's just like, dude... Calm down. It's fine. I don't care. Yeah, it's it's just it's and, just and it's my not body. like a, a performative don't care. It's like she actually doesn't care, homie. Yeah, um, yeah. Saber literally like doesn't think it's an issue at all to see a servant naked, um, mm-hmm. because again, like she, like she does not view herself or like other servants as like sexual beings. Um. 
Because, like, why would a servant do that? That's not their purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, Shiro can't help but be completely flustered by the encounter, and Saber even has to remind him to go see Rin for magic training after dinner. Uh, he enters her room, uh, he enters Rin's room to find her using a syringe to draw blood from herself and drip it one drop at a time onto a jewel. Uh, she explains that since her family's magics are that of flow and conversion of power, uh, she uses whatever magic she can spare to transfer it somewhere else. In this case, she makes some magic bullets. However, the magical, the magical energy that goes into a jewel is dyed by that, uh, by that jewel's attributes, which limits what it can be used for. Storing energy this way is unique to her family, and most magical families just store excess energy into their own ba- bodies to create magic crests. Shiro reveals that Rin, Shiro reveals to Rin that Karitsugu never gave him his magic crest, so she decides to make that her first lesson. She basically mm-hmm. surprised that Karitsugu never even gave him a crest, which you know, fair. <clears throat> uh, uh, well, so I think part of it is Rin doesn't realize that Karitsugu was um, uh, Shiro's adopted dad. Yeah. Um, which is why he couldn't ever give Shiro a magic crest. Um, and I do think that there's something interesting here in just like the way the mechanics of magic work, um, which is the storing of magical energy in gems like this is unique to uh, her family because most of the time when other folks put magic into a thing, it is used up and uh, basically uh, uh, formed and has, like, calcified into a specific shape or uh, action, like, the moment it's put into something else. Yeah, it it can't be, like, it can't be saved up for later, like she's putting it into a magic, like they're putting it into a magic savings account. Right, whereas she can by, you know, literally putting her blood into it um now there's no metaphor here though don't worry (laughs) um anything that can activate magic can be referred to as magical energy mana is the large source of energy in the world that fills nature uh ode uh spelled od is the small source that people can create themselves magi like shiro who don't have much experience use mana to power their magic using rituals and sacrificial ed- sacrificial offerings to make contact with the divine me- divine mystery. This process is called the formal craft. However, Shiro doesn't have the knowledge, and bloody sacrifices aren't really his style. Small source magic is cast using the Magi's own power, such as, uh, such as Shiro's strengthening magic. In addition to the magic circuit that's passed down, each family has a secret magic that they can train. Quote, once one once one masters of magic, a magus can put their hands on that magic. Um, a magic that goes beyond the levels of formulas and becomes part of yourself can be left in a form. It is a great deed that establishes an unstable an unstable magic, and at the same time it is proof that the magus existed, end quote. This magic becomes the crest that gets passed down to future generations. It can cast spells automatically and allow you to use magics that you that you have not acquired yet. Uh, even though the crest looks like it's just a symbol, it's more like an organ and cannot simply be copied to other people. Yeah, so the, the basic function... Uh, this is Nasu getting heavily into Nasu prose, where he kind of talks in um, circles about, like, a... Uh, uh, 
the mechanics of a thing. But basically the yeah. way it, uh, Magic Crest works is they are a magic circle um, that has basically the knowledge of uh, magic that your ancestors have already created or uh, solved built into them and uh, have basically the structures for casting that spell without you needing to do the setup or the work for it or even know how to do it outside of like the activation code. Yeah, you are uh, inherent. You are inheriting the wealth of magic that came before. Uh huh. Like it, it is a uh, a magic circle that has a bunch of magic already built into it, where there's just a quick activation for it, and you don't have to actually learn anything to do it. Yeah, and um, the ex- and the expectation is is that you will continue to build on mm-hmm. the magic that that your ancestors figure out to make the crest more powerful um, for future magi that yep. like you pass it down to so magic circuit magic uh crests end up being both uh collections of magic circuits so literal material access to power and also knowledge which is another means by which this uh game has been defining power like uh, the formal craft is built entirely on knowledge um and is another means of accessing power and magic crests are generational power in both of these ways yeah. um in a way that is like explicitly unfair but also like yeah that's how it works yeah um it's it's literally it's it's even more literally a metaphor for generational wealth Mm -hmm. Uh, if it wasn't clear before from the prologue Mm -hmm. um so uh rin uh rin was going to to cheat shiro magic but since he doesn't have a crest she'll have to prepare drugs and medical tools to tamper with his body first fun yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, she also asked him if everything between him and Saber is okay, since they were unusually silent during dinner. He deflects and asks Rin if she likes Saber. Rin answers, quote, I like her. There's no reason not to like her. She's strong, well-mannered, and beautiful. She's so different from my cynical guy. Uh, Shiro says, I see, so you like Saber. Rin gets a little flustered and says, What? I just said she's the kind of person I like. You should stop saying things so directly. God, I wish this were a Yuri visual novel. So Jesus much. Christ, me too. Uh, uh, with their lesson over, Shiro heads to the, she- heads to the shed to sleep. Uh, Archer follows him silently. For some reason Shiro can't explain, Archer irritates him, and he just can't like him. Uh, Archer scolds Shiro. It's so fucking funny. He hates him so much for no reason. Uh, Archer scolds Shiro for not wanting to let Saber fight, insisting on doing everything himself and not wanting there to be any victims. Archer asks him if he really believes no harm will come to Saber if she doesn't fight and reiterates that that it's insulting for him to prevent her from fighting. Then he asks the critical question. Do you really intend to finish this war without fighting? Not fighting anyone, not killing anyone, and not letting anyone be killed. Shiro responds that he'll fight when the time comes, but he still won't kill anyone. Archer says he won't interfere, but he does give Shiro a warning. Quote, the superhero you are, the superhero you are being is no more than a cleaner. Know that the only people you can save like that are the ones that survive, end quote. Uh, his methods will not allow him to reverse a sad event or a miserable death. Quote, an ideal is only an ideal after all. As long as you embrace that ideal, the friction with reality will continue to increase. 
The path that you are about to take is of that is of that sort. So you will someday face reality and will have to pay the price for your compromises. That choice of yours might end up taking the lives of many people. But at least be prepared. When you realize mm-hmm. how small you are, decide what you will make right and whom you will punish. And if you cannot do so, then throw away those dreams and magics of yours right now. End quote. Archer rules. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's straight up just like, yeah, man, it, it, it is naive and idealistic to frame things that way. Uh, you don't have any idea what you're doing. At least have a plan for when you realize you're fucking wrong, because otherwise you're going to get everyone killed. Yeah. Um, Archer. Um, he also says, uh, people that cannot be saved will always exist. All you can save with your ideal is the ideal itself. And it's yeah. like, yeah, man, that's like the core issue I've had with, uh, Shiro's, uh, idealism is it's like not interested in the material benefits towards people. It is that the only thing that it does is, uh, uh, serve itself. And like, well, at least I was trying to serve this ideal. And it's like, no, you weren't trying to actually take care of people. And that's like, Another way that Shiro's ideal uh, ends up being kind of selfish. It is, again, not interested in the actual act of taking care of people. Yeah. Yeah, he, Shiro does not care about Praxis. <laughs> no, he does not. Listen, he might be our anti-cursorial king, but, like, he needs to start reading some theory. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh. Archer walks off, and Shiro is offended by his message, thinking it's absurd to conclude that Shiro is wrong before he even tries. And if Shiro is wrong, he'll just pay with his life. Which is such a fucking stupid way of thinking about it. It's like, oh, if I'm wrong, it's fine. I'll just be the one who dies. It's like, no, motherfucker, you're not going to be the only victim here. That's like Shiro's core issue right now. He he doesn't (laughs) value his life in any way, and so he thinks, oh, him dying isn't a big deal. Um, and so it doesn't register for him that other people might die for his actions uh, yeah. and for his choices. Like, he, he is so convinced that that is the only thing that could happen. Yeah. Um, I, I adore this scene. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Someone just bitch slapping Shiro and telling him, hey, fucking stop it. Yeah. Um, and Shiro just being, like, very clear, like, what the issue is about his beliefs without him actually realizing mm-hmm. uh, it's it's wonderful um, it's delightful yes uh so we begin day eight um at breakfast um after breakfast saber teaches shiro how to properly judge the size of an opening and attack appropriately uh during a break period he asks her what kind of life she had before she became a servant saber claims that people don't change personality when they become a servant she was a knight who was given a sword at birth. He comments that he feels sorry for the people who interacted with her, since she knows from experience that she that she's pitiless and has no mercy. <laughs> uh, Saber actually seems upset by this comment, and says that she's not happy about hurting him, but feels it's necessary to train him properly. Sure, don't be a dick. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't be me, the Saber. She's trying her best. <laughs> Uh, you're the one who wanted her to beat your ass to teach yeah, you. You're, she's doing what she what you want her to do. Uh, Shiro remarks that he's not used to Saber getting emotional, since she usually doesn't say what she really feels. She says her job isn't to give her own opinion, but to give an opinion from her position as a knight and servant. Um, at lunchtime, Shiro goes out to get groceries like before. Ilya's not there this time. 
At this point, the player has a choice of what to do next. If you choose to stop by the park, Shiro finds Ilya there. Ilya tells him that one of her maids, Sela, said she shouldn't see Shiro, because Ilya would end up needing to kill him soon anyway. She disagrees, though, and thinks it's fun to be with him. He asks if she was forced into... Uh, Shiro asks if, he, if she was forced into the Grail War. She says that her grandfather told her to do it. She's been a master since she was born, so she's been told it's only natural for her to fight. He tells her that she shouldn't that she should quit if she's not fighting of her own free will. She counters by saying that if he becomes her servant, someone who stays by her side, she'll quit the war. He asks her to clarify what she thinks a servant is, and she tells him her grandfather said it's someone that's always by her side and protects her. Protects her, he, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's hmm. Um, Seems inaccurate. Yeah, very clearly a lie to appeal to her own sensibilities. Um, he tells her he can't make the he can't make that promise, and she gets upset and leaves. Uh, if Shiro heads straight home, we get a scene where. Um, where, uh... Issei? I say, I think it's Shiro and... I say the two have lunch together, but I can't remember which two I'm referring to. I think probably Shiro uh, and... Uh, Shiro and Saber. Saber? Okay, yeah. yeah. Shiro and Saber. Um, as Shiro makes tea, he overhears Saber talking to herself about getting addicted to his cooking. He thinks to himself that yeah. maybe he shouldn't try so hard to make good food, or Saber might make him her personal chef. Which, yeah, 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 okay, Shiro. (laughs) Okay, Shiro. Uh, After lunch, they continue training, but but they're interrupted by a visit from Issei, who stopped by because he heard Shiro isn't feeling well. Everyone's favorite stick in the mud has brought his friend a bag of apples as a get-well present. (laughs) Issei fucking rules! Such a dork, I love him. He's such an idiot. I love this dumb motherfucker. <laughs> uh, when Shiro bows in thanks, Issei notices Saber standing right behind him and asks what's up with the strange girl. Uh, Saber, uh, You know, flawless- a reasonable question. <laughs> yeah. Saber flawlessly delivers their cover story, which Issei accepts easily. Because he he's stupid as shit, yeah. Yeah, he assumes that Shiro was pretending to be sick in order to have time to show his distant relative the sights. He then tells Shiro to go make some tea for him, since he brought Shiro's bike all the way back from Ryodo Temple. Uh, Shiro agrees to make tea for him and Saber. Saber is surprised that she'll be joining them, and tries to excuse herself by saying he may not be able to talk freely with his friend if she's there. Issei disagrees and says, quote, girls, are, girls are loud, but Saber is fine. Humble women are a part of our cultural heritage, end quote. Which, like, is a weird thing to say, but also, Issei is, like, a monk at the temple. I- Issei is literally a priest at the temple, yes. Yeah, like, he is so training like, this to actually inherit makes the temple. A little, this actually makes a little sense for him to say. It, it makes a little sense for him to say, and also, like, the, part of the implication here is, like, even Issei, a person who is not a wizard in any capacity... Because uh, we also know that, like, Ryuto Temple is a uh, fallen ley line. Like, there is magic shit going on there. Him yeah. inheriting the temple is, like, uh, important. Um, it, it is an actual sign of magical uh, value. And so him being able to tell that uh, Saber is a holy figure is, like, reasonable to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it, it, this, it's, it's, it seems like it's just like a thing that Shiro would say, but there is at least a little more to it than Shiro's weird brand of misogyny. Um, yeah, now it's just like Nasu's weird sayings. brand of misogyny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the game skips over the small talk, and we resume with Issei about to leave. Ashiro mentions that he's surprised that Issei was so calm around Saber, Saber since he's usually bashful around strangers. Issei explains he grew up in a temple and has learned to tell good from evil. He can tell that Saber's spirit is pure and she cannot be a bad person. Shiro apologizes for Saber being antisocial, but Issei asks him what he means by that. Shiro explains that she hasn't laughed once and always has a troubled expression on her face. Issei disagrees, saying Saber was smiling quite a lot during their meeting. She was smiling whenever she saw Shiro smile. Shiro, apparently, didn't notice, and asks, if Issei, and asks Issei if she was making fun of him. Issei teases his friend for having odd interpretations of things. He then leaves laughing to himself, presumably about Shiro being such a dumbass. Mm-hmm. I like that, like, Issei, despite being kind of like this stick-in-the-mud guy, like, is able to read Saber, like, so much better than he is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's very funny. I love Issei. Issei's a fucking yeah. king. Yeah. Issei main character when? <laughs> oh, man. What, what even would Issei's servant be? Uh, himself. He would just punch shit to death. <laughs> uh, as Shiro is preparing dinner, Taiga notices the apples and comments that Shiro should make some apple pie. Um, not wanting to get roped into making a pie, he escapes. He tries to escape by making an up, up an excuse about checking the entrance to see if Rin is back. Taiga, Taiga comments that Rin would probably be happy to gre- be greeted by him and sees him off, which forces Shiro to actually make good on his excuse. Yeah, uh, uh, along- uh, Taiga like, hmm, Rin does seem like she would love a boy wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Taiga continuing to be great. Uh, uh-huh. Along the way, he runs into Saber, who's just left the bathroom and has her hair down. She tells him she's discovered she likes baths ever since she became a servant. She used to not be able to take a bath because of the people surrounding her. Hmm. Interesting comment. Wonder, because we don't know who uh, Saber is yet. I I don't say it every intro. Yeah. Um, It's fine. It's whatever. It's a a secret. Yeah, I wonder why she wouldn't be able to take a bath around other people. Um, at the entrance, Rin finally arrives and tells Shiro he looks good in an apron. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, Rin. Just fucking, yeah, Shiro, get in the kitchen where you belong. <laughs> uh, Which is not- correct. <laughs> he notices a small bit of blood on her index finger. Uh, she explains that she punched Shinji. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. I wish we had gotten to see her beat the shit out of that man. Yeah, quote, he was being annoying, so I beat him up, end quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, Shinji had tried to form an alliance with Rin, saying that, saying that Shiro was lo- useless and she should give up on him. He asked why Shinji would do that when he had previously tried to form an alliance with him. Fucking huge. Would people really do, uh, do that? Go on <laughs> the internet and tell internet. lies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Rin speculates he might think of Shiro as a rival, since he was acting strangely ever since Rin told him she was living with Shiro. <laughs> Which, like, Rin very clearly did that on purpose to rile him up. Um, uh, to how- be fair, it was funny. Yeah. Uh, however, she's still not sure why Shinji w- is so riled up about her specifically. 
Uh, Shiro speculates that Shinji admired her since she was of the lineage of a Magus family like him, and she still retains the blood. This causes her to remember that Shinji asked her out when she was a first year. She rejected him because she wants to be the one to make the first move in a contest. Shiro jokes that she probably sucks at rock, paper, scissors, which she, <coughs> which she admits she does. That fucking rules. <laughs> this dumb motherfucker. I, I love I it love when they it. have conversations like this. Yeah, when they have conversations like regular people and not like weird assholes. Yeah. Um, during dinner, Rin is unusually silent. As Shiro is cleaning up, Rin observes that he seems to be getting along with Saber, but she appears upset about it. Uh, she also declares she'll be skipping school from now on, too, and to come to her place in the afternoon. Um, there is a mild implication here that Rin is starting to get jealous of Saber. Um, which I'm yeah, not it, really a fan of. Um, I don't know. It, it's like a weird tension it feels like she has with Saber, where, like, she both likes Saber and also, like, even in the Fate route, it is clear she is interested in Shiro. Yeah. Um, and isn't quite sure how to approach it. And so, like... Uh, it, it, there's a tension in her relationship with Saber where it's both, like, she is jealous of her and also, like, she likes and trusts Saber. Um, and there's also, like, every time she talks about Saber, it is in this weird, uh, um, almost idolizing and aspirational way. Um, and, and so it's, like, a weird tension she has with Saber that I don't, Mind, I don't super like the jealousy part, but I don't mind yeah. it as, like, a part of the whole. Yeah. Um, uh, at training, Rin asks Shiro to strengthen the glass of a lamp. However, he puts too much energy in and breaks the glass. Shin loses her cool and says she wants to kill his teacher for not correcting his basic problems. Bit late for that, Rin. <laughs> it's so fucking funny that Kiritsugu taught him wrong as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh... She, yeah, like... I, I mean, uh, well, like, what happened is Kiritsugo just actually didn't teach him. He taught him the first lesson of how to make a magic circuit, and that's it. Yeah, and then he fucking died. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Rin, uh, she instructs Shiro to swallow something that looks like a hard candy drop. She tells him he's just swallowed a jewel, and that it will activate shortly. He feels a burning sensation within himself, like when he fails to construct a magic circuit. Uh, Ren explains that the difference between a Magus and a human is whether they have a switch or not. Uh, the switch is the toggle for the magic circuit. A person without a switch can never experience magic. If you make a magic circuit in your body even once, all you have to do after that is toggle the switch. But Shiro has been trying yeah. to build the magic circle circuit from scratch every single time. He's been building he... a magic circuit every fucking time! Yeah. <laughs> Risking death every fucking time. For uh, no reason. <laughs> I mean, so uh, what this makes me wonder is, like, does he have multiple magic circuits in him or still just the one? I I think it's still just the one. I think the implication is that he just, like, redoes it every time. I mean, that that would make sense. I, I, we'll probably learn more in Unlimited Blade Works. Yeah, probably. Um, uh... But yeah, since he trained the wrong way, his switch is closed. So Rin has to open it by force to make his body recognize that it's there. However, the jewel can only force it on. Shiro must use his own power to turn it off. 
which is like, good fucking luck, Shiro. <laughs> Hope you don't die. Here you go. Yeah, with his circuit turned on now, Rin tells him to try, strength, to try strengthening again. Unfortunately, Shiro ends up breaking all 30 lamps that Rin prepared, and she calls the training off for the night. He's just... Uh, he is so dog shit at strengthening magic because he's just all gas, no brakes. Yeah. Uh, before she sends him off, though, she asks him if he's ever been taught about transformation and projection magic. Strengthening enhances an object's effects. Uh, transformation attaches abilities beyond the normal effects of an object, and projection reproduces something. Shiro says he was taught a little about strengthening and transformation, but he has never, but he was never taught projection, because his father said it wasn't worth it, because projection can't last for very long. Uh, yeah, so the core distinction here is that um, projection is you are reproducing, like, a sword, but, like, if you are making a sword, you are better off just having a sword and making it stronger with that same amount of magic. Like, yeah. it is wildly inefficient, and also you make something worse than if you had just used that same magic to just strengthen a regular sword. And so the projection magic is just not used because, like... Yeah, it's technically possible, but, like, why would you bother? It's a waste. Yeah, no one expects anyone to use projection magic. Which... <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's not relevant. Yeah, I'm sure this will come up later. Let's just say we have seen projection magic already. <laughs> yeah, it rules. It's sick. I love projection. <laughs> uh, as Shiro leaves Rin's room, Saber asks Rin how he did. Bad, he, she replies. He's really bad. He doesn't have the talent. <laughs> It's so fucking funny! <laughs> He's so fucking bad at magic! It's so fucking funny! I love how honest Rin and Saber are with each other. Yeah, just full dog shit at magic. Homie, your your master is the worst at magic he could be. Uh, Archer approaches Shiro at night again, but not just to berate him this time. He observes that while his father and Rin were both good teachers, they may not be best suited for Shiro's current state. A magus <laughs> that doesn't know anything would actually suit him better. Just yeah. like a weird backhanded compliment, but Archer's well, it, actually trying to be genuine. Oh, well, no, he does say, listen, a genius could never teach someone uh, effectively who was basically a dropout. And that, like, again, just continually dunking on him, even when he's trying to help. Yeah. Um, Archer tells him that none of none that none of the skills um, none of the skills he's learned will be of any use against a servant. What he should do instead is defeat the the opponent in his imagination. If he cannot beat them himself, he should imagine something that he could beat them with. Yeah, dog. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for when that becomes relevant because that shit rules. Yeah. Day nine. Um. After having another dream about the fire ten years ago, Shiro wakes up in the shed to find Saber watching over him. Having overslept, he doesn't have much time to make bref breakfast, so he just makes some toast. Taiga is furious, and Saber and Rin express mild disappointment. <laughs> I just like how everyone's just like, what? what is this? You're our breakfast what, slave now. What, what are you why doing? did our boy wife not make breakfast for <laughs> us? You're supposed to make us breakfasts. Um... At training, Shiro continues to disappoint, with Saber noting that he isn't fighting nearly as passionately as a day ago. He blames his performance on being distracted by Rin observing the fight, 
But this caught just causes Saber to, Saber to come at him harder. <laughs> I love that Rin is just there trolling him, watching him. It rules. It's like, yeah, show me what you've learned, buddy. Uh, it's so fucking good. <laughs> Impress and the then, girl that you like. <laughs> uh-huh. And then he gets knocked the fuck out and then is like, yeah. okay, I guess I, I guess I should pay attention, huh? Uh, quote, Tosaka is in a good mood, I think because she saw me getting beat around a lot, he says. <laughs> I mean, that would put anybody Not in a good wrong. mood. Not wrong, yeah. Uh, Rin remarks that Saber acts like a machine when she's fighting. A Saber is intrigued by this, guessing that she turns off her emotions when she wields a sword. We again see Nasu's cis-male gaze poking through, with Rin responding, Could that be in preparation for holding a sword even though you're a girl? Like, not losing in spirit because you're inferior in physique? That is a direct quote. Yeah, and then she's like... No? What? No? It's weird. Um, they then tangent into complimenting each other's beauty, as I yeah. continue to wish this game was written by a queer woman. <laughs> God, I so desperately wish this was written by a gay woman. Uh, Saber... I, I just want them to date. Shiro, yeah. go away. Yeah. Uh, Saber commenting that she's never thought of herself as a woman irritates Shiro, who's silently cutting food in the kitchen. Um, he wonders what she does think of herself as. We already know she thinks of herself as a sword. Yeah, like, she, she has said been it very times. blatant about this, Shiro. You just don't believe it. Um, at magic training, Rin has brought another 40 lamps, which makes me wonder where the hell she's getting all these lamps from. Yeah. She's, she's gone through 70 at this point. She has, she's bought 70 lamps. Why do you have so many lamps? Somewhere out there, there is a Japanese Home Depot that is completely out of stock of lamps. I'm going to be honest. I think there's several Japanese Home Depots completely out of lamps. Yeah. I don't think any Home Depot is going to carry 70 lamps. That's true. Yeah. She had to go to like a bunch of different hardware stores. And, like They're all like calling each other saying, there's this girl who's just buying a shit ton, shit ton of lamps. Um... After going through half of the lamps, he's able to strengthen five of them. Um, at this point, you're given a choice. Um, the more interesting choice is to have him go and find Rin, who walked mm -hmm. away to do other business while waiting for Shiro to finish. He finds her and Saber in the shed talking to each other and eavesdrops on them. Rin reveals to Saber that she believes Shiro isn't a magus at all. She explains, quote, magic is an equivalent, equivalent exchange after all. No matter what kind of magic it is, it can only bring what's elsewhere here to use it. But this is different. He's bringing something that comes from nowhere. He's forming something that should not exist here. That can only be a concept, that can only be a concept that violates reality. His magic is probably a deterior, deteriorated version of that, of that one magic, end quote. Um, which um, I assume she's probably referring to his healing abilities. Uh, so I think that is actually referring... Because there have been a couple of times where uh, he has done small bits of projection I th in this shed. I think that is what she's referring to. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Um, because that that is why they're having that conversation in the shed. There's the small leftover... Uh, because, remember, he has the uh, the hollow oh, versions oh, of things. right. Yeah, the stuff, he, the stuff that he's made. Yeah. Yeah, the, the hollow versions of things that he brought into existence uh, where he can't uh, do anything further with it. 
Um, I think that is referring to him making deteriorated projection uh, magic. Yeah, that's a good point. Though there also is still the um, the, the, the weird question of magic. like how he how he's healing himself to begin with, because clearly he's not getting it from Saber. Uh, but I mean, it only happens when he's close to Saber. So like Saber clearly has something to do with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's probably fine. Yeah. Basically the point is Shiro's magic is weird and fucked up and I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Shiro decides to return back to Rin's room and pretend he was there the whole time when she comes back. Uh, while he waits, the phone in the living room starts ringing. It's Shinji, who asks if Shiro is still sick, and says that there was something he wanted to tell him. He asks if Rin is around. When Shiro says that she isn't, he's pleased. Excuse me. Uh, when Shiro says that she isn't, he's pleased. He wants to talk to Shiro in private and tells him to come to school. When Shiro refuses, Shinji becomes angry, screaming at him to come immediately, and that if he leaves now, he'll be able to make it for sixth period. Shiro this says... Is... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, this is like the most unhinged we've seen Shinji for what it's yeah. worth. Like he is vacillating between emotional extremes super rapidly. Um, and he is like almost not making sense. Yeah. Um, Shiro says that coming that late would look worse than not showing up at all to which Shinji creepily replies, quote, that's your own fault. Oh, and if you tell Tosaka, I'll really end our friendship. I let you go about Sakura until now. You can at least fulfill your duty as a friend in the end, right? End quote. Then the call I, ends. Shiro considers I don't know his how predicament you read for a that. moment, then decides to run over. Uh, so I don't know how you read that. I read that as a threat uh, towards Sakura. Oh yeah, yeah, I but, absolutely like, did too. Like, uh, that is, to me, read cleanly as a, like, listen, uh, I know we aren't actually friends. Um, I've let things with Sakura go for this long. Uh, Sakura will come to harm. It, it, like mentioning her in that context makes it clear she is threatened in this position. Yeah, that's absolutely how I interpreted it too. Because like okay. Sakura, Sakura is the person he has the most control over, and also mm -hmm. the also the person that he knows Shiro cares the most about. Mm -hmm. So like it is it is the one thing he has the greatest leverage yeah. uh, over Shiro with, um, and he very much knows it. Uh, mm -hmm. as he walks through, um, as Shiro walks through the hall of the school, uh, he's suddenly hit by a wave of severe dizziness and nausea. His vision turns red and his body feels hot. He looks outside the window and sees a dome of red enclosing the school. He checks inside a classroom and sees everyone on the floor convulsing. They're not dead yet, but they soon will be. Some of the weakest- What a surprise! It's a trap! Yeah, wow, who would have guessed? Uh, some of the weaker students are having their skin slowly melt away. Um, Shinji appears in the hallway. He brags about the boundary field, asking Shiro if he likes his idea. Shiro realizes too late that as soon as he learned Shinji was a master, he should have settled this matter of the boundary field, because deep in his heart he knew Shinji was responsible. No shit, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reveals he intended the boundary <clears throat> field to be a way to gain leverage over Rin, and that while it still wasn't at full power, it was still perfectly capable of being activated for a lesser effect. Shiro tells... That's why everyone isn't immediately dead yet. Um, Shiro tells... Yeah, they, they haven't been fully juiced. Yeah, they're, yeah they are being slowly juiced. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Shiro tells Shinji to stop the field, but he refuses, even laughing about kicking Taiga to the ground when she asks him in desperation to call an ambulance. Uh, this finally enrages Shiro into action, and he sprints at Shinji. Uh, he's attacked by three blades of shadow, sharp like guillotines. The blades are much slower than Saber's attacks, though, and with his training, he's able to, to, to easily pass through the opening between them. This uh, is, pa- this, uh, is this where he says a, a hammer strikes in my head and the inside of my body completely changes? I um, believe so, yes. So th- this is the moment where uh, he figures out how to uh, turn his switch off and on. Um, and Shiro goes apeshit is yeah. basically what happens here. And it rules. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to be clear, this fucking rules. Also, uh, for a dude who continually thinks about swords and who is uh, uh, constantly talking about swords inside his head and dreams about swords to talk about a hammer striking is like, hmm, hmm. Yeah. Almost uh-huh. sounds like a hammer striking an anvil. Weird. Anyways, yeah. I'm sure that's not relevant. <laughs> so this panics Shinji because he was expecting Shiro to be incompetent. Uh, and he runs away. As Shiro is about to grab him, he senses danger and pulls his hand back right before Ryder slices the space he was reaching for. Uh, so there is a dead-end choice here. If Shiro tries to attack, uh, attack Shinji, Ryder maims him, but does not immediately kill him. Ryder even says to Shinji, I have gone easy on him. I believe he can still be saved if you heal him. Which is interesting. Um... Shinji scolds her for not making choices on for for making choices on her own and having the audacity to share her opinion. Um, it's fascinating how the relationship that uh, Shinji has with Ryder is like the complete mirror of uh, Shiro and Saber's. Because mm-hmm. um, isn't in the same situation, uh, Saber would absolutely just immediately kill the enemy and it would be Shiro going like, Hey, why are you killing them? Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, whereas here, like Ryder is actually showing some sy- sympathy towards Shiro. Um, he, uh, he tells Ryder to cure, kill Shiro, uh, rather than let him melt in the boundary field, Ryder sucks the blood out of his neck, which honestly might be the least bad death ending so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. I, like, I think the, like, uh, Shiro, the bad ending with Ilya is the worst one. Yeah. Because, like, Shiro blatantly says during this bad ending that, like, it doesn't even really hurt at all when Ryder is sucking out his blood. He just, like, sort of passes peacefully. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, there's a, there's a lot worse options than having Ryder suck your blood out. Yeah. there It could be a lot worse, for sure. Yeah. Um, also, probably the horniest bad end so far. It's, it is pretty horny. It's yeah. pretty It's like there. she binds yeah. him up in chains first and then sucks his blood. She does do that. It's a that very is true. ending. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, if you choose to retreat, Shiro is slowly sliced apart by Ryder as he attempts to escape. Uh, Shinji scolds Ryder and tells her to just kill him. He blocks another fatal blow and Ryder's dagger disintegrates. So she, t- so she tries, decides to defenestrate him instead by kicking him uh-huh. out the w- fucking window. Yep. Uh, as he falls three stories, Shiro finally realizes just how much of a dumbass he's being by refusing to let Saber, Saber fight. Because he did not bring Saber with him for some reason. 
Um, because he's stupid, right? Yeah. Yes. Another choice is given to the player. If you choose not to use a command seal, Shiro hits the ground, and the impact causing causes something like the blades of several swords to burst out of his chest, as if a bomb had been set inside of body, his body. This, of course, is a dead end. I'm sure that's not going to be relevant, and <laughs> is it going to be uh, important or a sign for anything at all? Yep. Uh, his, his body being filled with swords is totally fine. Um, uh, think... In fact, there's actually one point, too, where uh, I think Ryder tries to stab him, and it, like, bounces off of something inside of him. I I don't remember that specifically, but also there's a lot she, like, of stuff. It, I can't remember if that was in the dead end or in the regular end, uh, but I remember her trying to, like, stab him, and it, like, not quite working. Um, okay. Um, I, I didn't pull that exact quote. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to look at it again because I don't remember yeah. exactly. Um, if Shiro uses a command seal, he sees a ripple occur in space, and an instant later, Saber bursts through it. Um, Saber wants to treat his wounds first, but Shiro is worried about the boundary field and orders her that defeating Shinji and Ryder takes priority. Um, as he runs back up the stairs to confront Shinji again, Saber deflects an attack from Ryder. She tells Shiro to go after Shinji, and she'll stay behind to take a- take care of Ryder. Having barely survived against Ryder himself, uh, Shiro knows Saber can easily defeat her and does not object. As he, turn- mm-hmm. as he runs towards Shinji, he picks up a mop in the hallway and strengthens it. More Shadow Blades attack him, but he deflects them with the, mo- with the mop, which immediately breaks. Um, to-, to be clear, too, he, like... With a second thought, without a second yeah. thought, just instinctively uh, strengthens it. Um, and then when he blocks the things with the mop, uh, he basically tosses it to the side without, like, even thinking about it uh, and immediately moves. Yeah, um, and it, the only person we... Mm-hmm. It, it's even it's even more instinctive and, like, um, easy than back when he was defending himself against Lancer. Yeah, well, and, like... Um, the way it, he does it, too, felt almost reminiscent of that first fight with, uh, between Archer and Lancer. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, this mob just served its purpose, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. One-use weapons. Yep. Um. Let me see where I leave off here. All right. Uh, Shiro catches Shinji and starts beating the tar out of him, slamming against a wall and breaking his arm. Uh, Shiro orders him to stop the boundary field or he'll kill him. Shinji briefly tries to call his bluff, but he folds as soon as he feels Shiro's grip tighten tighten on his throat and realizes that, oh shit, Shiro is actually just going to kill me. Uh, Okay, Um, I actually have a question here. Yeah. Do you think it was a bluff? Uh, no, I do not. I do think Shiro honestly would have killed Shinji. Uh, I think there's, like... I think Shiro wasn't really sure until the moment actually came. Um, like, I-, I think Shiro believed he would kill Shinji at that moment. I don't know if he wouldn't have backed off at that last second. I think he probably would have gone through with it, personally. I-, I-, I think so. I think you're probably right. But I think, like... I think he'd feel real bad about it, but he would do it. Oh, sure. But he just, like, he had avenues left open to him up until that last second. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if he knows for sure if he would do it until the moment comes. Yeah, I do agree with that. Like, I don't think he was initially, I don't think he was planning on doing it. Mm-hmm. But, like, once he committed, 
he was like, well, I, I do have to do it now. Cause like, I've, I can't just let all these people die. Uh, the only reason I say maybe he wouldn't is he could have just killed Shinji right then and there. Yeah. And it would have, it would have solved the problem. Like if he was actually committed, if he actually thought it was the best option here, he would have just done it. And the problem would have been solved. The boundary field would have been ended. Well, Everybody he, would have been safe. Here's the thing, Liz. Like, I think he knows that it... I think he actually does know that it's the best option. But he wants to still give himself an out if he can. That Yeah. So, that, like, that's what as I, soon as Shinji gives him the excuse, he stops. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Like, he, he is just looking for someone to give him an excuse to not kill him. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. I, um, I mean, that, that's what I mean. Like, I, I think, like, up until, like, the very last moment, I think he is looking for an excuse until he has literally no other outs. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Shinji orders Ryder to stop the blood fort. That's not, that's not a for Shiro, though. He wants unconditional surrender and tells Shiro to release his command seals. Um, if Shinji doesn't do it willingly, threaten, Shin, Shiro threatens to cut the arm off. Um, so at this point, like, Shiro is no longer going to kill him. Like, Shinji has given him his out, so he's not gonna kill Shiro, mm-hmm. kill Shinji anymore. But he's still gonna, like, d- do everything him, up you know. to killing him. I mean, you know, you only need the one arm. Yeah. Uh, before Shiro can make good on his threat... Uh, Ryder manages to intervene and activates her noble phantasm. She cuts her own neck with her dagger. The blood that gushes from her neck stops in the air and slowly forms a magic circle. Saber drags Shiro to the ground as the noble phantasm fires a searing white beam of energy down the hallway. Saber and Shiro are unharmed, but it gives Shinji and Ryder an opportunity to flee. The battle over, Shiro's magic switch turns off and he loses consciousness. He dreams of that day ten years ago when he was surrounded by corpses. He remembers reaching out for help and Kurisugu grasping his hand at the last moment, delighted to find someone who was still alive. He wakes to find himself in the living room, having been cared for by Rin yet again. Rin tells him Kyrie went to take care of the aftermath of the school. Many students were taken to the hospital for, quote, malnutrition, but no one was killed. Uh, Mm -hmm. Shiro asks if Kyrie also healed his wounds, but Rin tells him his body healed on its own again, and jokes about one of his ancestors being a lizard. (laughs) Because even even when Rin is, like, genuinely being caring, she can't help but tease him a bit. Honestly, it's so fucking funny. Uh, Shiro heads to the dojo to thank Saber, and she immediately tears into him for the multiple bad decisions that led to his injuries in the first place. She demands he give her an explanation and not the myriad lame excuses he usually gives. Finally, Shiro properly apologizes to Saber and asks her to lend him her strength, admitting admitting he can't defeat the other masters without her. However, he refuses to say his attitude was mistaken. Quote, if you are going to protect me, I'll protect you too. I can't let you fight alone. End quote. Saber sighs, but appears to accept that this is just how he is. They shake to seal their their partnership. At this moment, Rin walks in, and they immediately separate. Rin teases them, asking if she just interrupted something secret. Saber uncharacteristically lies and claims she was just checking his pulse. Um, 
Later that night, as Shiro falls asleep, he resolves to deal with Shinji tomorrow, believing he's too dangerous to leave alone. And that is the end of day nine. Yeah. Um. So how do yeah. you how do you feel about this particular arc? Shiro, stop being a fucking misogynist, man. I'm so tired. Yeah, those parts were real rough to to get through. Um, like, I think there is some interesting stuff here. I think Shiro being forced into a position where he has to actually take action instead of fence-sitting um, is genuinely interesting. I think even all of his relationships coming to a point where he has to actually make actions um, is interesting um i think it is still very frustrating that shiro presents a lot of it via this whack misogyny yeah i there, there's a lot of stuff in this period of days that i like um i really like the um rider fight a lot um mm-hmm. yeah it's great um I, I i like all the conversations between um archer and shiro uh, I like, um, uh, I like some of the stuff with uh, Rin and Saber, um, just gals being pals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of good stuff here. Like even the, even the Ilya stuff, like we mentioned, um, it, it, there's stuff later that makes the Ilya stuff just kind of weird, but there's at least a decent concept there to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. But in, in these three days, we kind of see, like, Nasu's weird gender stuff kind of really take the forefront in a lot of scenes, um, especially mm-hmm. with Shiro, and it just, like, makes... It makes Shiro so unlikable in, in a lot of scenes. Yeah, it's it just... It's deeply frustrating, like, I don't need that. Yeah, because I, I I want to like Shiro because he's an idiot, but, like, he is at least an idiot in a lot of ways that, that are sympathetic. Um, yeah. Like, his ideals are bad and wrong, but, like, he comes to... I, he came to the, those ideals with, like, good intentions. Like... There is a desire to do good there that, like, uh, even if he's wrong, I can still respect him. And then he just does shit like say, oh, Mitsuzuri needs to get mugged to learn to be a woman. Like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, Shiro's, Shiro's personality is, like, really held back by Nasu's own gender essentialism. Nasu's own gender essentialism and also this need to force um, this relationship between Shiro and Saber. Yeah. Uh, Like, it feels like he's not sure how long this route's going to be. And so he has to put everything into motion faster than it necessarily needs to be. Like, he's not willing to let shit breathe. And so he has to force it as fast as possible. Yeah, and honestly, like, the the more interactions that we get between Shiro and Saber, and, like, the more it's revealed, like, how they actually come to, you know, trust each other, the less I like mm-hmm. an actual romance between the two of them. I don't 
mind it. It needs to do more work for me to buy it. You know? Yeah. Like, all it is right now is Shiro thinking with his dick and um, Saber being frustrated at him being a stupid motherfucker. Yeah, like, at, at this point, like, a, a, Rin, a Rin and Shiro relationship, like, makes a lot more sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, they also just have way better chemistry with each other in terms of, like, romantic chemistry. Yes. Um... um. Well, I'm just thinking back to the Unlimited Blade Works show, and, like, the chemistry they have in the show is significantly stronger than it is here. Yeah. It's, like, I had mostly been joking when I was saying, oh, you know, the sex scenes are going to be the worst part of this. Um, And, like, I don't think I'm wrong. We haven't gotten there yet, but I don't think I'm going to be wrong. Yeah. But I do think that, like... The romance for Saber hasn't worked for me so far. Yeah. It's clearly uh, forecasting it. It's like showing its hand. You know what you're getting into just by the fucking uh, uh, root. The executable is literally called Fate Saber for me. Like, like, you know what you're getting into. And it's just, it's not flying for me at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm really not looking forward to having to cover the sex scene between Saber and Shiro. Like probably more, uh, probably even more than the other ones that will like inevitably I'm gonna inevitably ro- come up. Like I, I don't know if it has like come up before, but I like literally write porn. Um, I I am going to roast the shit out of it. <laughs> I am just I'm going to go at it with a fucking shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna rule. Uh, cause like, cause thinking about it, like, you know, if, if you were keeping this in arrow gay, like, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't necessarily think that having a sex scene between Shinji and Rin is necessarily a bad idea. I think it's gonna still suck because it's Nasu writing it because between Shinji and Rin. Sorry, not Shinji, Shiro and Rin. Okay. I, I, I was about up, to be like, no, what the fuck? I mixed up my S words. Shiro and Rin. Um, yeah, and also because I'm thinking of Shinji from Evangelion, who like yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between Shinji Evangelion and Shiro Fate Stay Night. Um, um hmm, I can see it. Uh, that's they're a not identical, discussion. but like yeah, no, that's a completely different thing that I don't want to uh, get. Listen, into. listen, I. I can spend an hour and a half discussing that if we really want to, no, but I don't know that don't. either of us have the time. Yeah, no. But like I like I actually I actually can see a universe where a, like with a more competent like writer who also knows how to write porn, like a uh a Rin and Shiro sex scene could actually work pretty well. Um, sure they have an actual chemistry yeah and also like it would be a situation where like you know rin has never been close to anyone she has deliberately kept herself at a distance from other people for fear that she will eventually just have to kill them um Mm -hmm. if they get too close um and like having someone she can like she can be intimate with and then also choosing to be intimate with that person like is a is a is a cool idea um and is honestly yeah. like really sweet 
I don't, I have a feeling that is, I don't know for sure, because again, I've only ever watched the anime that cut that stuff out and makes it significantly less horny. Um, but, you know, I, I have a feeling it's not going to be that uh, delicate. About I don't it. know why you say that. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. The, the, yeah, I the main point is I, that like given the given the like stuff we've had between Shiro and Saber so far, like the idea of a sex scene between them just seems so weird to me. Yes. Cuz I don't think Saber would do that. Well, I mean, we know why Saber would do that. It's part of our intro. Yeah, that's true. Uh which honestly makes it funnier to me. <laughs> Because that's the, it's not, oh, we could find a way to bring this about through like emotional connection and it makes sense narratively, but rather we need to find a narrative justification to make this happen, but we're gonna make it Yeah, because like, it's the, the, like, I know why it happens because it is like a long running joke in, in the franchise of like why yeah, this no. happens in the first place, but God. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the more I think yep. about it, the more I hate that that's why it happens. Uh-huh. Oh, it's... Listen, I joke about it because otherwise I'll just get rip shit mad. Uh, yeah, so... My feelings about this visual novel are still complex. It's still multifaceted. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, that'll, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we will talk about days uh, 10 through 12... Uh, uh, on the next episode, um, I'm actually, I'm actually curious, is that, is that the part where, no, I think the, you know, I think actually days 10 through 12 is where we, no, is it, hold on, I'm checking if that's, is it what? Yeah, you that is, that is where we get, that is where we get the, get the scene, actually. Oh, cool. Specifically cool. day 11. Um, Fucking if, I, if I'm reading sick. this chart correctly. Fucking incredible. Yeah, so... Uh, look forward to that. We're gonna talk about that next episode, I guess. God. Um, yeah, so you can find me um, on Twitter at StiltsTheGM. You can find me on Twitter at RhetoricAcrobat. Uh, if you also want uh, to hear some more podcasts I'm in, uh, you can uh, check out um, the podcast Eidolon Playtest, an actual play RPG um, uh, that is playtesting the uh, tabletop RPG Eidolon uh, Become Your Best Self, uh, written by my friends Luke and Molly. Uh, so check that out if you want to hear... Uh, if you want to hear me uh, play a character who can travel through the... <laughs> I can't spoil that. <laughs> uh-huh. Listen, just listen to the podcast. It's good. It's a good podcast. It, it goes into it goes to some wild places. If you like JoJo and Persona at all, you'll probably dig it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think this is the only podcast you do right now, right? Yeah, it's the only one I do right now. I'm sure I'll do something eventually in the future. I, like stream with a friend on sundays it's whatever just go to my twitter anything i do will be on there yeah uh so yeah um 
that'll be it for this podcast. And remember, podcasts end when you stop recording. I'm ending this fucking podcast every fucking time I forget you're going to say it. God damn it. (laughs) Goodbye.